Good morning. Good morning. There we go. Uh, my name is Lynn Taylor, campus pastor here at the Fellowship of Mount Juliet, and uh, I love this time of year for many reasons. Um, it's not a day, though. It's a season. It's not like Fourth of July. It's not like it's not a holiday like Thanksgiving. And yes, we're grateful. <clears throat> but this time of year is different. It's about something far greater than us. And it used to stretch out during the first centuries. Things began to kind of stretch out. Stories were told. Different parts of Scripture became known. Because when the God of heaven came down himself and his son, there wasn't a Bible. So as the scripture began to live out, more traditions came into play. Some good, some bad. And the season of Christmas has taken on many different things for many different people. Advent is the time of year that we can come together, the church, big C, little C discussion we'll have later, but Advent means the coming, the coming. So the Advent of Jesus Christ is the coming of Jesus Christ, the coming of God. And as we celebrate that in a season, not a day, it gets caught up in webs of deceit of the evil one, trying to dissuade us, trying to confuse us. And a lot of those are feelings, and they're real. And probably more so in this day, because of COVID, the year of COVID will go down in infamy. <laughs> and so many people are struggling. I think we have about, that I know of, like 11 or 12 people right now that are in our congregation and leadership that are quarantined because either they have it or they're exposed to it. So, yeah, we're feeling it close up and personal today. But this whole year means so many different things, and from the isolation to the quarantine and to the on and on and on. Uh, jobs, uh, trying to work from home, trying to do things that used to be so easy and now are so difficult to do. Season of Christmas. All the travel, the gifts, all the stuff that comes with the greatest story ever told. But what in all, what, what if we found something in all of this stuff? Sometimes we get caught up in busyness, even. Maybe the, bus the busyness of just struggling through uh, trying to get results, uh, trying to put our goals and objectives down, or trying to uh, be something to someone that we've not ever been before, or maybe trying to not forget the person that we don't want to forget. Maybe it's the family. We're trying to find grandkid, uh, kid, mom and dad, uh, presents for everybody, aunts and uncles, on and on and on. Um, a couple of thoughts on that. Don't spend so much money on gifts it's about much much more than that the idea of giving the joy 
of giving. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. As you're flipping there too, another thought. This season is not just about a day, but about a day we're going to talk about today. As confusing as that sounds, we want to live it out all year long. It's not just something that we do right now and whew, we can drop that idea and we move on to something else. It's about something that radically changes us from the inside because of truth that we know. Let's stand together in honor of God's word and read it. Follow with me. Verse 8, chapter 2 of Luke. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there were a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angel had left them, and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. After seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at the shepherds and said to them, but Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which, just, which were just told to them. Let's pray together. Father, we, we thank you for your word. We believe it is truth in all of its glory, your breath to us in word, our owner's manual for life. And this message is simple in point, huge in concept for all people. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So today, week three, week three of our journey in Advent. The Christian church puts together Advent in several different ways. Families do it maybe day to day, if you've done that before. Or churches do it Sunday to Sunday to talk about the preparing of the message of baby Jesus. God coming to earth. The joy candle is today. 
Joy is the third one in our circle of, of, our, uh, of our Advent. It's different for a reason. It's because joy is so ingrained in the message of the gospel, the good news of Christ. It was mentioned at the very beginning to the shepherds. And in that message was the idea of experiencing joy. Joy that fills us. It's not joy that we find alone, that we can muster up on our own, that we can do something to make us feel that joy. The filling of the joy comes from someone named Jesus Christ. And that message, I hope, at the end of the message today is clear. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. And fruit of the Spirit is not a plural, it's a singular. Fruit. Of, it's not fruits. It's fruit of the Spirit. And joy is a fruit of the Spirit. The joy candle is also called the shepherd's candle because it's recognizing the joy that the angel brings to the have-nots, to the outcast. The joy candle, the shepherd's candle, the first to be told, the first to hear, the first place the angels came, the first to the very least. And that's notable to the community because they were not in the elite. The status of the shepherds was not a part of the elite, part of the religious Point number one, you and I are shepherds. You and I are shepherds. We're all shepherds. The least were told first, lower than common people. They even developed their own community outside of the people. They were not allowed to come to worship. They were not allowed to testify in court. They were not allowed to do the things that the elite or the status people would typically do. No status, but heaven came to the have-nots. Maybe God was telling us not to favor the status, not to favor the appearance of each other. No privileged part of the community got the message first. It was to the shepherd. But it was a message for all people. And not to confuse that only the outcasts would get the message. The message was told for them to go find the good news. Described how to find the good news. And in that description, to talk to people. And in that talking to people, the message became clear. The shepherds were desperate people. Maybe because of their social status. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't one then. But they were desperate people. Forming their own community. Trying to survive that way. Unclean, untrustworthy. Unable to keep laws that kept people holy. The religious. 
But the message was clear. In verse 10, I bring you good news that will bring joy to all people. There's a description there and a word that I don't want us to miss. There's a description of great joy. Great joy. Not just joy. Great joy. Number two. First, we're all shepherds. Number two, discover joy. Discover joy. My dad wrote a book back in the 70s. My dad was my hero. Um, I think I can get through this okay. <laughs> he passed away about seven weeks ago of COVID. He left an indelible part of joy. The book he wrote is called Being Joyous. And it's a typical 70s book. Um, it, even the caricatures and <laughs> all the stuff that's in it. Um, I want to read a passage to you from here in this book from my dad. Words from my dad. Joy is deep, lasting, consistent. Joy is bigger than happiness. It's more satisfying than happiness. Joy is like a thermostat. Happiness is like a thermometer. Happiness is produced by favorable circumstances, enjoyable situations, positive experiences, kind words. That is to say, outward conditions cause you to feel happy or seem to be happy. It's short-lived. But joy is the assurance which causes you to ride comfortably in a boat through a storm of crisis. You react with confidence because the joy inside you is real and deep. Joy is inward. Happiness is outward. I read that to you uh, for a couple reasons. One, um, it's words from my hero. And number two, I think it would be something that you could caricature into cartoons of what shepherds would want to do or say on their way to find out what is going on. This angel has brought to us. Discover joy. You discover joy on your own because of Jesus in your life and who Jesus is in your life. And you have joy because of who God is in you. God gives us the depth. It's not just an emotion of happiness. It's much deeper than that because the joy spills out everywhere. The circumstances don't change the joy. 
as hard as it may be or as good as it may be, it's not changing the joy. The students, the children, don't just find a parent's joy. Though the parents may lead them to find joy that they have found. It's kind of like we talk about in church. We talk about in students or children's. It's not you're coming to your dad's and your mom's or your grandparents' church. This is your church. And because it's your church, we want you to discover that on your own. We want you to find it to be true. And as a family, we're doing the same thing. We're bringing our family along and trying to guide them to the place they can find it on their own. They don't just have it because you have it. My dad shared a, a little saying all the time. Um, it's referenced in Mark, uh, Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. It's talking about the yoke of Christ. The yoke of Christ that we're to, if you're burdened and you need rest, there's a yoke that you need to put on. And you have to take yours off to put the yoke of Christ on. The yoke is something that guides you. Now, I won't go into whole, all the horses and whatever. How, how you got a horse, but the, the yoke is something that guides you. And he would always say this to us. Lynn, you better check the tag on that yoke you got on. Wow. I'm not sure you're wearing the tag that you think, the, the yoke that you think you are. Because if it's about you, you're wearing the wrong one. My dad um, had a bunch of them. And that was one for sure that stuck with me. It's the open invitation. The yoke. The open invitation to come to Christ. To put the yoke on. The shepherds understood that. So many of us today, we re-engineer, we reverse-engineer the gospel. We think we have to clean up to come to Christ. We have to get our act together. We're, we have to do something to come to Christ. The good news of Christ is the total opposite of that. It's come as you are. The yoke of Christ. The rudder that guides us. The angels didn't say, you need to clean up your act, shepherds. Y'all need to um, find a new job. Y'all need to make more money. Y'all need to clean up. Y'all need to like, that. Whatever. I don't know what you're wearing, but you need to get something different. No. They said, or the angel said, go and find the baby, the Son of God.
Receiving a gift from God is not to be overlooked. It's not something that we accidentally back into. The receiving of a gift is almost an art. Because if our heart's not in the right place, it's hard to give something to someone because we're so worried about the giving that we forgot that it's about them, it's not about us. But the receiving of a gift is just as hard for some people because they don't like to receive. And the receiving of the Holy Spirit and the receiving of Christ, the receiving of God's purpose and plan for our life is so hard for some people to grab. It, it's almost, and I've said it up here many times, it, it would almost be easier in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ into your life, and we witnessed it in baptism today in Josh's life. It's almost easier to swim a river, climb a tree, kill a bear, you know, do something to be saved. And really, it's not at all. It's about something that's already been done. All we have to do is receive the gift that started at Christmas. Ultimately, joy comes spilling out, laying your burdens down, walking away. We sang about it a while ago. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Number three, give until it hurts. Give until it hurts. There's a thing called relational giving. Uh, if you were here last year, we read a book that talked about relational giving. And the idea of personal presence, being present in front of someone. Your value that God has given you and the purpose He's given you in that personal presence cannot be overlooked. In, in our culture, it's almost undervalued. It's, it's somehow turned to like accomplishment. And scripture doesn't teach that. Scripture teaches in personal presence, it's who you are. It's the message you're carrying. It's who you are to other people. It's how you help them and encourage them. Paul even talked about it with Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Are you edifying someone? Are you building them up? Do you make them better? The relational giving is massive in need in our culture today. The joy to give more in personal presence. We lose sometimes the value that God's placed in us, uh, even in our family. And maybe it's time that you give. In this crazy year, maybe this would be the year that at Christmas we do something totally different. It's often time in those crazy times that we create a memory, and sometimes we mean to, and sometimes we don't. It might be intentional, it might not be intentional. In our family, we moved to Virginia. Uh, I was going to be a youth pastor. We moved from East Tennessee, and uh, we had a house. We packed our former house out. We were buying another house. We were moving to this new house. And in the progress of the transfer, the we were trying to get a foreclosed house, which I didn't know that that's hard. <clears throat> and it fell through. It's, the whole thing fell apart in, in route to Norfolk, Virginia. And so we didn't pack, really. 
this is in November, the end of November, right before Thanksgiving. So we had Thanksgiving in a little apartment that we had just drove around trying to figure out where we're going to live now that where we were planning to live is not going to work. So we ended up just getting something on a six-month lease of what place we could find. And uh, all of our boxes are not packed to live that way. So I, the entire truck basically goes into this storage unit. And we had to make do. So uh, some boxes we lived, uh, I had shirts and ties and uh, a few coats and no, no pants. <laughs> so we had to make do with those, but uh, that's a whole nother story. Um, but in that process, Christmas is happening. Our kids are small, and we decided that we were going to do something very different. So uh, all we had was plastic silverware cups and everything, so we grabbed some plastic cups that were laying on the counter or out of a box and drove to the store. We bought eggnog, and we poured eggnog half full so they wouldn't spill it, the smallest one in a sippy cup, and we drove around looking at Christmas lights in our family. And we had a blast and sang songs together. We actually did it a couple of times, I believe, the first year. Then the next year came along. All the boxes, all the boxes were unpacked. Everything's undone. And we had the trees up and the ornaments out and the lights everywhere. And we had everything out. Our kids wanted to go back looking at Christmas lights and pour eggnog in a cup and drive around drinking eggnog, singing, looking at Christmas lights. And here we are about 25 years, 30 years later, whatever. And we do that every Christmas. It's called eggnogging. It wasn't intentional but a huge memory for a family. Something like that could be very easy to do this year. Because of quarantine, maybe the people that you are with, that you're quarantining and isolating with, can get in a car and go drink eggnog, or maybe chocolate milk if you don't like eggnog, whatever, and sing and look at Christmas lights. Relational giving, building memories Doing things together. It might be building something in the garage. Maybe you're not even good at it. You know, is that even the point? The, is it even the point that you're good at it? There are people here, Roger. We got like serious woodworkers in here. Maybe you're not like that. Maybe you're, you know, you, you figured out how to make a box. It's not really square, but it like stands up. Something that you do relationally giving to your family. Do it together. Do it together. Check the tag. Give more. And last, Christmas is great joy for all people. The first Christmas was not normal, David Mathis writes in a book. Christmas, according to the Gospels, is great joy. 
God chose to come down Himself in person through His Son, Jesus Christ. Joy is used over 200 times in the Bible. Great joy you could count on your fingers. King David's son was announced as successor in 1 Kings. At the restoration of the Passover after years of neglect in 2 Chronicles, maybe Nehemiah re rebuilding the wall in Nehemiah 12. There's just not many times that that word was used, great joy, and it's used here. After centuries and centuries of looking for the Messiah. Now the Jews were looking for a king, an earthly king. But someone came way bigger than that. We worship him for this season. It's a reminder of who God is and who God should be in our lives. There's tangible and immediate needs in our church, in your family, in your neighborhood, at work, around the world. There are opportunities of ministry to carry the good news of Christ. But beware for who worship is for. The worship of the one true King of Kings is for everyone. Great joy for all people. It's not for the rich or the poor. It's not for the famous or the not famous. It's not for the tall and the short. It's for everybody. Everyone. Worship is about full surrender. It's not informational. It's not, it's not acknowledging God. That's religious. Worship becomes a part of the relationship with Jesus. As our band comes back, the hope of the world was found in these ragamuffins. <laughs> the shepherds. The hope of the world was announced to them. Are you someone who holds that same message? Are you someone who holds the same good news? It's not for you only. And if you withhold, it's almost more hate than you can possibly put on somebody. If you withhold that from them, the love of Christ is to be told, to be shared. The hope of the world in today's culture is sitting in this room we're a bunch of ragamuffins. If you know Christ, you carry that message. If you don't know Christ, don't leave today without knowing Him. We would love to talk to you about that. People who are desperate to find hope. And today, joy in the joy candle. Represented by the shepherds and us today. Father, we love you and we thank you for so many parts of this message that come so clear and poignant to me individually. The opportunity to understand 
who you made us to be and who you didn't make us to be. Go with us. Mold us. Shape us. And for those closest to us, may we be the people that they need to be, that they need to see, need to hear. Fortune, you're in it, we pray. Amen.